Hello everyone and welcome to the Rise Up Buttercup podcast, where we share the incredible stories of those who have risen up against the odds to live a life of passion and purpose. In each episode, you are going to hear about the highs, the lows, and everything in between, along with some valuable lessons that you can apply to your own life if you so choose. Our mission here at A Higher Way of Living is to inspire you to rise up and courageously pursue whatever your life is calling you to. My name is Amy Gerhartz and I am your host for this podcast. And after 20 years of entertainment, I am now a mindset coach, a certified NLP practitioner and hypnotherapist, and as you guessed it, the founder of A Higher Way of Living. And for those of you who might be curious about how you can achieve more out of your life, I want you to know that my company offers a wide variety of personal and professional development services designed specifically to support you in removing your limiting beliefs and roadblocks so that you can create a new and empowering mindset to rise up to who you're meant to be. I would love to invite you to come over and join our community at ahigherwayofliving.com. You can also follow us on all of the social media platforms. And also don't forget to take advantage of the free gift that we are offering at the end of this episode. Now, I would love to introduce you to today's guest. Alan Lazarus is the founder and host of Next Level University, a global top 100 self-improvement podcast with more than 900 episodes, reaching over half a million people in more than 100 countries. Alan believes in a heart-driven but no BS approach to inspiring, motivating, and educating others on what it really takes to get to the next level. At the age of two, Alan's father passed away in a car accident, and at the age of 26, Alan got into a nearly fatal car accident himself and questioned everything, who he was and the choices he was making. Now it's Alan's mission to help others maximize their potential and design lives and businesses they love on their own terms. I think you are going to love the conversation that Alan and I had. So let's go ahead and dive in. Hello, Alan. Thank you so much for being here today on Rise Up Buttercup. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. And, uh, Rise Up Buttercup. I like the title. Yeah, thank you. Well, we talk all about the incredible stories of people that have, you know, overcome the odds, uh, risen above their circumstances. And I loved, uh, first of all, I love everything that you're doing in your business and in your life and just the inspiring messages that you share with people across the world. And I thought it'd be so amazing to have you as a guest today for our listeners to really just share your journey and share your story. Mm, Thank you. So, uh, when you mentioned rising up above circumstances, I, I started from extremely humble beginnings. Uh, when I was two years old, I was born into, I don't want to say tragedy, but a challenging circumstance. So mm-hmm. when I was two, my father passed away in a car accident. He was 28 at the time. And my mom was alone with two children. I have an older sister and she didn't feel like she had a lot of choices. And so I ended up having a stepfather from age three to 14. And my stepfather left when I was 14. And we literally went from customizing our own quarter million dollar yacht in the early 2000s to I got free lunch at school because we had such low income. Oh, wow. He, he was the primary income earner. 
And when he left, we got the house, he got the yacht and, and, um, my mom didn't have really any income. She was a, a lunch lady cook at, at Blackstone Valley regional high school. And so I, you want to talk about becoming the man of the house at 14 and, and going from, you know, ski trips and snowmobiling trips and block Island and oceans and water and vacations and to like, we can't afford much of anything. And so that was extremely, and in hindsight, that was a wonderful thing because it helped me build a lot of character. So circle back the best lesson that I've ever gotten in my entire life. Still to this day, I give, I talk about this on my speeches is when I was seven years old, my mom sat me down and my sister and I still joke. Uh, my mom always explained everything to us and, and we got lectured rather than punished. And so she was lecturing me. Um, and now I understand why, which is great. But she said, Alan, you can be a CEO or you can be a farmer. I'm going to love you either way. But if you decide to aim high and go for CEO, you can wake up one day and just be a farmer. It does not work the other way around. One time I told that story and someone reached out like farmers work so hard. My aunt's a farmer. How dare you? I'm like my mom. I was seven. She was just trying to tell me a story. Right. So relax. Yeah. Um, but the, the best lesson I've ever gotten to this day is aim high and you'll have choices. Yeah. So I took that to heart. I, I aimed very, very high. Fast forward. We are in my mom's old black BMW kind of tattered BMW and we're driving past my alma mater and it, it's called Worcester Polytechnic Institute, WPI. It's kind of like a mini MIT mm. tech school, engineering school. My uncle Merle at the time, uh, her sister's husband <clears throat> was the track and field coach there for like 25 years, 30 years, actually. As a matter of fact, he's since passed away and they, uh, named the field Norcross field. So Merle Norcross and she, I was driving by it. She said, Alan, you're really smart engineers go there. Engineers make a lot of money. You should go there one day. You'll make a lot of money. You'll have choices. Again, in hindsight, my mom wished she had focused more on academics mm. and uh, so that she would have choices because when my father passed away, she didn't feel like she had a lot of choices. Yeah. So I'm 10 years old. Fast forward. Eighth grade in, in my country, in America, is right before high school. And she said, Alan, I'm going to take a chance on you. I'm going to let you take eighth grade off. You still have to go to school by law, but you don't have to try. So up to this point, I was straight A's, maybe a couple B's. And then if you look at eighth grade, it's like C's and D's and a couple mm. B's, no A's. She said, but you have to promise me that you'll get the president's award in high school. Now the president's award is straight A's for all 16 report cards. So four years, four report cards each, 16 report cards straight. You can't get a single B. You have to get a 95 or above GPA. Now I did, I got an 89 B plus in honors English with Miss Desolettes. I'll never forget it. And I, and I never took honors English again after that. Um, but I did, I got a 95 or above GPA for every report card, four years in a row, four report cards each year. I was the obnoxious guy at the award ceremony that like never sat down. They just like kept calling my name, right? <laughs> the nerdy kid. And so anyways, um, I ended up getting the president's award. It's actually behind me and it's signed by George, George W. Bush. And uh, after that, I got into WPI. I achieved my dream and my dream at the time. So Steve Jobs is actually still my desktop background. And it says the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Steve Jobs was my hero. Yeah. And I wanted to be the Fortune 50 CEO of a tech company. I was in a tech school electrical and computer engineering. So I go to WPI, I do electrical and computer engineering. I end up graduating with high distinction. Um, I was in a fraternity and I surrounded myself with the smartest people I could possibly find because my very first course, I ended up failing. Uh, engineering is unreasonably difficult. 
And fast forward, fast forward, I end up graduating with high distinction. I'm working for a company called Tyco Safety Products. It's now called Simplex Grinnell. And I'm designing circuits, again, electrical engineering behind a desk. And I'm like, this is not fulfilling. This yeah. is not enjoyable for me. I don't want to sit behind a desk by myself. I love people. So I email some of my mentors and I'm trying to figure it out. And I researched this at the time. I found out that something crazy, like 60 or 70% of all CEOs of Fortune 500 companies have an engineering undergrad with an MBA combination, master's in mm. business. So I go back, I get my MBA, my master's in business, and then I'm off to the races. I worked uh, for a company called Sensata Technologies. I worked for a company called Oz Development. I worked for iRobot. I worked for um, a company out in LA. I lived in LA for like three and a half uh, months, three and a half months, came back. And um, I did a lot of job hopping, a lot of soul searching. I went from 65 to 85. I went from 85 to 105. I went from 105 to 125. And then I got promoted to outside sales at a company called Cognex. Wow. And I got almost 200 grand a year at this point. So in my early twenties, wow. Okay. Um, right. Right. So in my early twenties, I achieved my dreams. I wanted to make six figures right out of college. Yeah. I wanted to go to the WPI, my, my dream school. <clears throat> at this point, I have a beautiful girlfriend. I have tons of high school friends tons of college friends, tons of corporate friends. And I'm working for a company called Cognex and I'm traveling all over New England. So my territory was Vermont, Western Mass and Connecticut. And I would drive around and sell industrial automation equipment to big companies like GE. And, and what we did is we sold machine vision equipment. So this camera that I'm looking into right now, imagine that, but there's software that like checks the size of this water bottle and like measures it. And it's quality assurance really for manufacturing facilities. And it also guides robots, machine vision. And so anyways, I'm doing very, very well. And um, I'm 26 years old at this point, And I paid off $84,000 worth of all my school debt. I'm making almost 200 grand a year. Uh, I'm still living at home to save money. Um, and I'm just banking tons of money. I've got an investment portfolio now of almost 200 grand and I'm in my early twenties. Right. So I'm very wow. set up for, again, having choices. Yeah. That's about the complete opposite of what I did in my twenties. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. It was, it was a lot of uh, other stuff in there too, that, that yeah. I think, you know, we'll get into, but when I'm 26 and this is where the turning point was for me, I'm 26 and I'm up in New Hampshire with my little cousin. His name's Dan and we're playing call of duty. We're not drinking. We're not partying. We're not doing anything crazy. We're just going to TGI Fridays. And this was 2015. It was a really bad winter. Mm. And the, it was so bad that in New Hampshire, the snow was actually covering the snowbanks, uh, the signs. The snowbanks were covering the signs. There was a yield sign at this intersection. I was looking down at the GPS. I end up on the wrong side of the road. I didn't see the yield sign. And I look up and I see what I thought was a Mack truck in front of me. Mm. Now, uh, this is 10 feet in front of me. I'm doing 35. They're doing at least 35. So I'm like, there's no possibility. I had that moment of there's no possibility we survived this. Fortunately, it was not a Mack truck. So it was actually a lift kitted pickup truck. So a really high lift kitted pickup truck. A lot of people in New Hampshire do that. And I was driving a 2004 Volkswagen Passat because I was big on investing and not not buying um, assets that depreciate in value. So I bought this car for five grand. I used to call it uh, uh, the, the, a tank. So it was a steel trap, German engineered car. I used to call this car, the tank, this car saved my life. So both airbags deploy. Uh, my cousin hurts his knee on the airbag. I hurt my face and physically we're okay. And in my speeches, I usually show 
the picture of this car because this car is beyond totaled. And I've seen the photos of my dad's car. And so I'm 26 at the time. And I grew up my whole life hearing about John, my dad, and I'm 26 and physically I'm all right, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, I'm beyond messed up because that very other people are like, yeah, that could have been it. That like my little cousin, for example, he's already tweeting about it. He doesn't think anything of it. Whereas I'm sitting there questioning my whole life because my father passed away when he was 28. I'm 26 at the time going, oh my God, that could have been it. And so I'm living in, in this really, I'm sitting in an armchair, drinking whiskey, questioning my entire existence, Hmm. you know, am I proud of the man I became? Did I live a life true to myself? Did I live courageously? Did I love enough? Did I matter? Did I achieve my dreams? Did I, did I, did I do deeply meaningful work in the world that, that, that means a lot to me? All these different questions, how fiercely did I love? How courageously did I fight for what I believe in all these questions? So now I live by this quote, I've got this, um, for those of you just in audio, oh my God, I actually took it off in the gym. It's in my, it's in my gym bag over there. So normally I wear this true North around my neck. It's a, a necklace with a North star mm. and uh, it represents a simple quote. You cannot see the stars during the day. They're always there, but sometimes it takes the darkness to see clearly that which you simply could not within the light. And so we've all had that moment where we're in deep emotional, mental, or spiritual pain, or even physical pain, where we notice something, a person, place, thing, or idea that we never noticed before. Two stars that I never noticed before that I did notice. First one is Tony Robbins' TED Talk. Regardless of what you think of Tony, best TED Talk of all time. Unbelievable TED Talk, yeah. And then number two, and more importantly, a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Mm. it's called, it's by a woman named Bronnie Ware called the top five regrets of the dying. I've actually since interviewed her. So she's a friend of mine, which is so cool. And this was four years later, by the way, but I find this book, what a coincidence. My father passes away in a car accident. I almost pass away in a car accident. And then I find this book called the top five regrets of the dying. The book was always there, but I wasn't in that dark place to see that star shining. Yeah. So to this day, I have a flashcard. It's not in my pocket. It's in my gym bag as well, which apparently I left everything in my gym bag today. Um, But to this day, I carry a flashcard in my pocket with all five regrets. So she worked in hospice for eight years. Her name is Bronnie Ware. She's from Australia. And she noticed these same regrets. These terminally ill people that she took care of for eight years, all of the same people, all of these people had the same regrets over and over and over again. I wish, I wish, I wish. Number one regret of the dying is I wish I lived a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. Mm. Now, here I am, Next Level University, 120 countries, clients all over the world. I think between group coaching and one-on-one coaching and podcast production, I think we're up at like 60 clients, all different industries, all different backgrounds, 15-person team, you know, all, <clears throat> all different ethnicities, all different cultures. And what I will tell you is this. There is no one on this planet who does not struggle with the fear of judgment of other people. You are not the only person who cares what your mom thinks. You are not the only person who won't post on Facebook because of what your friends might think. But what I will tell you is this. You will never, ever, ever, just like me, be fulfilled living a life true to what others want for you. Mm. I am now writing a book called Optimizing for Fulfillment. And that's what we should be aiming for, fulfillment, not joy, not pleasure, 
not happiness because no one really knows what that is, but fulfillment, a deeply meaningful life of fulfillment and joy, happiness, pleasure, and all that can come along the way. But um, I achieved all my dreams and all my goals and it it wasn't fulfilling because it wasn't true to me. And after 26, I flipped that script and I went all in on personal development, maximize my own potential. and, And here I am today. So that's the shortest version I could give. Well, I, okay. First of all, incredible story. I have so many questions for you. Uh, I think I'd love to go back to the accident and, you know, going into that dark place and that dark searching of the soul for you, how long did it take? And and this is for the listeners, for any listeners who might be going through that same struggle right now. Uh, It's so easy when we, when you see us already at where we are living our purpose to think it was just an easy transition. And then all of a sudden everything just started happening, but I'd love for you to share if you're open to it, what that looked like for you. How long did that journey take for you? Was it this instantaneous aha moment or was it something that kind of gradually happened over time? Yeah, definitely gradual. Um, and that's the the thing about podcasts and and speeches and stuff like that is is you got to be careful of the narrative bias. Yeah. Um, you know, we're here talking for an hour, but I'm condensing 33 years into into one hour. And so you got to remember that. So no, it was super gradual. So we talk often about uh, PTSD, and that's a very real thing. I definitely had PTSD after that car accident. I mean, I was getting pulled over because I was too far on my side of the road because double yellow lines scared the hell out of me. Um, I ceiling fans were messing with me. I was claustrophobic. I had to literally walk through doors on Mm -hmm. purpose, puffing my chest up, you know, and and at crowds bothered me being in crowds. And this was pre COVID, you know, so PTSD is a real thing. And I worked through all of that, which I'm very grateful for, but what we don't talk about enough, I think is post-traumatic growth. Mm. I think that we all have, um, we all have three layers to our identity. I have this framework that I, that I, in the center is T and then there's a picture of bullseye. So there's three layers. The center is T, which represents the truth. Then you have I one and I two. T is the truth of who you really are. I one is who you believe you are. And then I two is who you want others to believe you are. Mm. And what I've found is some people um, are pretending to be more than they um, really are, right? So, so this is the puffer fish. This is the puffer fish that is so scared that it's not strong enough and it's deeply insecure. So it puffs up to pretend that it's uh, more capable than it really is. And then on the other side of that equation, you have the turtle shell. You have the turtle who is actually pretty amazing, but it hides at the first sign of danger. And so what I've found is that all of us have all three layers. And what I think, I think, fulfillment comes when we get who we really are, who we believe we are, and who we want others to believe we are, all in alignment with being the same thing. And, and no one has succeeded fully at that, um, you know, unless it's Buddha or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even then, so that's my goal is I want who I really am when no one's watching to be the same as who I believe I am to be the same as who you believe I am. Mm-hmm. And that's an infinite game that never ends. Yeah. But I think that's what personal development really is. It's, it's, it's getting rid of these protectors that, that we needed when we were younger just to survive and, and becoming and living in our authentic truth, yeah. living in our vulnerable, authentic truth. And I don't want to sit here and pretend that I'm better than I am. I don't want to sit here and placate and pretend I'm worse than I am either. And a lot of people want me to do that too. I won't. I won't like we are extraordinary. We are doing extraordinary things in the world. 
And I'm so proud of that, but we're not the, I'm still messing up every day. And uh, yeah, so it was a long, arduous process. I'm on chapter 33 of this life and I'm wiser than I was at 32, but I'm not as wise as I'm going to be at 34. Yeah. And the story that I told, by the way, I want everyone to know this seriously. That's in hindsight. At the time, I didn't know, right? I didn't understand. You know, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. That's one of my favorite Steve Jobs quotes. And I'm connecting these dots and I'm re-understanding at a deeper level. Every year I reread the chapters of my life and, you know, I'm on my 33rd year. And so I, I reread chapters one through 32 and I understand it more. So when you hear me on this podcast, don't think like, oh, he has it all figured out. No, I have it more figured out than I used to, but not as figured out as I'm gonna. Yeah. And I love what you just said too, about you, who you really are, your truth. And then the two extra layers of who you think you are and who you, we want other people to think you are and getting those in alignment is such a beautiful message because I've found that as I've started getting myself in more alignment across the board with all three of those rings, that a lot of that fear starts to dissipate a lot mm -hmm. of that, you know, it, when, when I feel like when we're not being our authentic selves, there is this extra layer of anxiety and fear and panic. And it's not to say that we, even when you're living your authentic self, like you said, we're not perfect. We still have days where, you know, fear can creep in and other things can creep in. But I will say that for me personally, as I've lived in that alignment or practiced, I should say practice living in this alignment because I'm not perfect either. Uh, everything becomes so easy or feels easy. Like there's a balance internally every single day of, and I don't know if you've experienced this too, but this balance of just saying, wow, okay, yeah, this is who I am. And I don't have to be afraid of it anymore. I, I get to share all of it. But I also love what you said about not being less than who you are, because I think there's times where human beings, we want to shy away from what our calling actually is because of this thing of like, oh, well, are people going to listen to me? Are they not? You know, versus just staying true to your identity and true to what your purpose is. Mm. Uh, it's interesting because I've found that everyone, so if you don't mind me sharing this, oh, this please. is what I think is the most important thing that I could ever teach anyone, um, at least right now. It's this new understanding of self-belief and self-worth and how they're actually typically inversely correlated. Mm. This is a fairly new understanding. And again, um, I have thousands of hours coaching, podcasting, interviewing people all over the world, all that stuff. So I want people to know I'm not just saying this. I have like studied human beings for 33 years, in myself and others genuinely. And hopefully that'll become clear. But what I understand is there's four types of people in the world. And, and, and bear with me here because I don't want to overly categorize, but really I do find these four. The first one is the rarest. And, and this is the one that I'm aspiring to become. It's, it's the person who has truly high self-belief and high self-worth. Mm. Okay. This is the rarest. Very few people get to the place where they actually have high self-belief and they understand their own worth. And I'll explain some of the reasons why that is. So I would say 0.1% of the population, maybe, maybe it's 0.01. I'm not sure. It's very, very rare. And I, I didn't become this until very recently. I'm still working on it. Okay. Self-worth is my issue. Self-belief was never a problem, genuinely. <laughs> and that's why I sound so arrogant, right? Okay. So <laughs> no, number <never>. two, <laughs> number two is who I was for most of my life. The first 30 years of my life, I was the second one, the achiever. This is the person who has unbelievable self-belief, but very low self-worth. Mm -hmm. This is the person who has massive goals and dreams and, and is always striving, but never arriving. This is the person who needs to prove themselves constantly. And, and by the way, 
is quite frankly chopped down often. These, this person's super growth oriented, super mastery driven. They want to be the best they can be at everything they do. They put a lot of effort into things. They usually have high goals and dreams, but they get torn down by this third type. And this third type is my least favorite type. And I have compassion for it, but it's definitely something that I can't stand. And I think it's the problem in the world, if I'm honest. The third type is the ego. The third type have low self-belief, but they pretend to be super confident mm -hmm. and they have inflated self-worth. These are the puffer fishes of the world. So everyone right now, think of someone who, who like you think has level 10 self-confidence. They, they're so, they seem so confident. Why do they have level two goals then? If they really had that level of self-confidence that they pretend to have, why would they have such low goals? Why would they tear your goals down? Why would they say you're crazy? Why would they say you work too much, think too much, are too much? No, no, no. They work too little. They think too little. They are too little pretending to be strong when they're not. And if they actually admitted that, they are afraid to fall into this fourth column. The fourth column is the victim. The fourth column is low self-belief and low self-worth. Mm. I'm very good at coaching people who are victims because they become the hero of their own story and eventually they become guides and then guide others. Leading leaders is my goal. So these are the four types. Number one are the guides. Every movie, by the way, has these four types. Okay, so I'll use Titanic because it's such a popular movie and I adore that movie. So the victim in that movie is Kate Winslet low self-belief, low self-worth. She's stuck in a marriage she doesn't want. Uh, Cal is the villain. And if you've seen Titanic, you'll know what I'm talking about. Cal is the, the person who inherited all of the money and is arrogant and pretends he's super secure when in, deep down he knows he didn't earn any of that. And he's suppressing Rose. He wants Rose to be his wife and she should honor him by default. It's entitlement is what it is. Yeah. And he pretends to know everything when in reality, he's not even that well studied. Kate Winslet became the hero of her own story. And she went from victim to hero after being suppressed. There were three villains in that movie. The mom who was trying to tell Rose where women, you have to like be in this marriage. This is our only way out. My husband left us with all the debt. Mm -hmm. And then society is a villain as well, because women were disempowered in the early 1900s, which is horrible. And then, um, and by the way, the villain represents suppression. The villain represents the lack of self-expression, the lack of greatness, the lack of aspiration. It, it represents vice and suppression of keeping people small. Okay. The third villain was Cal, who, who is the real villain in the film, which by the way, he shows his true colors later on when she actually leaves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the guide, and this is the most important. Jack Dawson's one of my favorite characters of all time. It's actually interesting. Our event on Saturday has a photographer named Jack Dawson. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm having so much trouble not asking him, like, did you make it out? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> but I know he probably gets that joke all the time. So I'm not going to, but anyways, so Leonardo DiCaprio's character in that movie is the guide, even though you don't know it because he's, he doesn't have a ton of money. He doesn't look in nice clothes. He, he looks like someone who's haggard and not well-educated when in reality, it's actually the opposite. He represents freedom. He represents virtue. So Rose is so sick and tired of being suppressed that she runs to the back of the boat. And there's that famous scene where she's going to jump off the back to commit suicide. 
And Jack Dawson, the guide comes in and says, no, 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 don't jump. By the way, I grew up in Wisconsin. It's not only going to kill you, it's going to hurt. It's, it's really cold water, trust me. And the guide shows the victim what they're really capable of. The mm-hmm. guide says, you don't have to stay trapped. You don't have to stay trapped in this old world with this arrogant a-hole. You can come with me and live a life of fulfillment on your own terms. And so eventually she decides to answer the call. There's that one scene where he's like, Rose, they've got you trapped in that fire that I love about you. And by the way, she didn't answer the first call. The first call was, do you love the guy? And she said, this is an inappropriate conversation. Mm -hmm. Why are you asking me that? She got all defensive because she knows deep down the truth. Everyone knows the truth deep down. And when they hear it, they either attack or they aspire. Mm. And so if you're out there right now and you want to villainize me, it's because you're hiding from your own truth. Okay. Now, she didn't answer the first call. She got offended. She said, this is my side of the boat. You know, get out of here. Eventually, he said, you've got, they've got you trapped. Now, the famous scene on the front of the boat when they're kissing in the, in the moonlight or the, uh, the sunset, that is when she finally answered the call. When she said, you know what? I'm leaving him. I can't live this life of suppression anymore. And by the way, it was when she saw that little girl putting the napkin in her lap, all proper and, and that whole thing. So she decides, F this. I'm going into this new world with Jack Dawson. And by the way, he brought her to that party, which was a new world for her. Mm -hmm. She brought him into her world and then he brought. So if you haven't heard, seen this movie, by the way, huge story. I was going to say, if you haven't, you haven't seen it, you should probably go watch Titanic for any of our young listeners who, who haven't had a chance to watch it yet. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll I'll get off the Titanic reference in a second, but anyway, so that's the four characters of every film. Every film has a guide, has a hero has a villain and a victim, usually several. And the reason why we resonate with books and movies and stories and shows is because we see that in ourselves. Mm -hmm. Every one of us in one form or another has been the victim, has been the villain, has been the hero, and has been the guide. And I'm just now getting to a point in my life where I truly feel like I can stop being the hero and I can start actually being the guide because I finally have gotten to a place where not only financially and physically and mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I'm I'm successful, but also I'm fulfilled at a level far greater than I think uh, most people. And so I try to guide people now. and, and, And so just identify where are you being a victim? Where might you be being the villain? Where might you be puffer fishing? Where might you be a turtle shell? Where might you not be leaning into courage and being the hero of your own story? And, and more importantly, where are you guiding where you shouldn't? If we're talking about cars right now, I will never guide. I don't know anything, mm-hmm. right? If you want to talk about human development, I will always guide. That is what I'm, that's my thing, right? So, and then where aren't you guiding when you should? That's an even more important question. Where are you staying small when you know you're more competent, but you're afraid that people won't like you when you lean into your genius zone? Yeah, I love that. Let's talk some more about your your company, your business, your podcast, all the things that you're doing, because uh, this is a great transition from that. Uh, tell us about, first of all, how you got started in your business. And then now you said you're obviously in multiple countries across the world. You're supporting so many people. Uh, what's If the listeners want to get in touch with you, they want to work with you, tell them all about what you do. Thank you. So, uh What I do is four layers. The first one is one-on-one coaching. The second one is group coaching and or trainings. 
the third is speaking and the fourth is podcasting. And then my business partner is the opposite. So the center of his genius zone is podcasting, then it's speaking, then it's um, training and group coaching, then it's one-on-one coaching at the tail end. So we're kind of yin and yanging that. Um, How do you work with me? Anything Next Level University. So Next Level University, if you Google it, will come up on every podcast platform, will come up on YouTube. And the all my contact information is in the show notes of all of that. But where did my business start? I started out with a little company called Alan Lazarus LLC with uh, you know, a big dream. And the dream was all human suffering comes from two primary things, I think. Ignorance and apathy are the enemy. People say ignorance is bliss and it's nonsense. Ignorance is bad. Ignorance is devastation, right? If we're putting leeches on us when we're sick, we're, we're, we're ignorant, right? The world is not flat. We didn't pretend to go to the moon. Like the ignorance is bad, okay? Knowledge is a beautiful thing. So, so ignorance and apathy, either you don't know enough or you don't care enough. Mm. Every issue in everyone's life can be solved by either they don't know enough or they don't care enough or some combination of both. And so when I figured out that that was the root cause of all human suffering, and I suffered a ton, my childhood, um, I didn't mention some of the darker parts of it, but it was beyond awful um, in many capacities, genuinely horrible. Um, So anyways, I didn't want to suffer and I didn't want other people to suffer. And so I wanted to figure out what is the issue here? What's the root cause? You You can't change the fruit unless you go to the root. The root cause is ignorance and apathy. Okay, so what's the cure? So I started a little company called Alan Lazarus LLC. What you'll never learn in school, but desperately in all caps, need to know. That was my slogan. My goal was to get into schools, which that's a terrible slogan to do that, right? <laughs> but I looked around, right? Health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. We didn't learn much about that in school. No. Nope. Wealth, how much money you earn, where to invest it. Most importantly, how you earn your money. Do you even enjoy what you do? entrepreneurship, all this stuff, business, didn't learn anything. Love, relationships, communication, trust, you know, intimate relationships, friendships, colleagues, business partners, mentors, mentees, clients, customers, relationships. We didn't learn anything in school. It's like you use, you eat food every day. You use money every day. You are in relationships every single day. And we learned nothing in school about any of these topics. Self-awareness. I must've missed that course. (laughs) So that's where it started. It started from this place of, oh my God, we weren't taught the most important things. Yeah. And of course we're all lost and unfulfilled. And so then it was eventually a a podcast called Conversations Change Lives. And then Kevin had the Hyperconscious Podcast. And then we met up and we created the Conversations Change Lives meets Hyperconscious Podcast, which is a terrible (laughs) name. And then, so we chose one, we went all in on it. And then 450 episodes later, we rebranded to Next Level University, health, wealth, and love, holistic self-improvement for entrepreneurs in your pocket every single day from anywhere on the planet, Mm. completely free. And that's what we are. 1%, you're not going to change your life overnight, but you can get 1% better every day, which will change your life uh, fully and holistically. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, well, listeners, I want you to know that I have all of Alan's contact information in the show notes for this podcast, and you can contact him directly. You can check out Next Level University, listen to the podcast, listen to all the things, reach out. I'm sure Alan is more than happy to speak to any of you. Um, and Alan, I'd love to, uh, you know, you've, you've told us so many incredible things today. Um, 
And I'd love to ask you, you know, the, the question that I ask all of our listeners, because obviously we could be here for days and days to go through your entire story. But if you look back on your entire life, if there was one overlining message that you've learned, one overlining theme that you would like to impart with our listeners, what would that be? Uh, I appreciate the question. And, and it's interesting. I was told one time uh, I was asked on a podcast, what does it mean to be next level? And that's that question. I could only give one answer. I really thought about it. I actually took like too much time. Probably they probably had to edit that part out. <laughs> and I was thinking about it. There's only one thing for me. Cause at that car accident, you know, I had all the friends and the, the beautiful model level girlfriend and tons of money and success. And that is, I'm not going to take anything from that because being successful is good. It's a part of the equation. It's definitely not the whole equation, but here's, here's what I can say. What does it mean to be next level? The only answer I could really give was who are you and what are you when no one's watching? Mm. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful for our 120 countries. I'm grateful for our half a million listens and people all over the world. I'm grateful for our 15 person team and my 25 clients and all that. I am, but I'm telling you when I'm alone in the gym tonight, the amount of effort I put into that actually matters more to me. I know that sounds nuts, but the way I treat my, my girlfriend, my future wife, and we're not engaged yet, but she will be my future wife. <laughs> um, the way I treat her behind the scenes when no one's watching genuinely and sincerely matters to me more than how well I did here on this episode. Yeah. And when you live from that place of that, like, and, and not like placating, not pretending, not, not like, you know, fake, but like really when you actually put your focus there, the shiny stuff will be attracted to you. Mm. And, and that's what it means to be next level is, is getting those three, the, the T, the truth of who you really are who you believe you are and who you want others to believe you are to be as close to the same thing as possible. And that's what it means to be next level. And when you do that and you live in your own truth and you take responsibility for your own calling, fulfillment is the soul's recognition of alignment with its highest calling. Regret is the soul's recognition of misalignment with its own highest calling. Fulfillment and regret. being extraordinary on Instagram will never fulfill you. It will not. I, I promise you. I've met a lot of famous people. I'm friends with some of them, you know, millionaires and billionaires on the podcast, hundreds of interviews all over the world. I'm telling you right now, some of these people are unfulfilled. I'm telling you, some of them are clients. Okay. What I'm telling you is there's nothing more fulfilling than maximizing your own potential, maximizing your own greatest level of contribution unique to what you are here for and maximizing your own quality of real life, not digital life. Oh, Alan, I love that. I absolutely love it. It's, it's leaning into living your most authentic self and, and doing that even behind closed doors is just so, so valuable. Thank you. I just want to say thank you again for just, first of all, for your coaching today with, with, with the listeners, that was unexpected and wonderful. We've all learned some incredible things. Thank you for sharing about everything you're doing. Listeners, please go check out Alan, check out Next Level University, check out the whole team there, all the wonderful people he works with and all the things that they're doing. Um, and Alan, I just want to say thank you again for being here on this podcast today and, and for gracing us with all of your knowledge and wisdom and and have nothing but shining glows of of appreciation for you and i cannot wait to see what your business grows into over the years i can feel your appreciation 
and I could, I could throughout this interview. So thank you for having me and keep doing awesome stuff in the world and being a bright light for other people when they're in dark places like we have been. Absolutely. All right. See you next time. Talk soon. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we would love a five-star review and maybe even a lovely comment. And feel free to share it with all of your friends and family. It's my way of saying thank you. I would love to give you a gift. And that is a copy of my free Creating Instant Confidence Guide, which includes six powerful ways that you can shift your confidence and boost it right now. You can find that link in the description. You can also find a copy over at a higherwayofliving.com. Remember, you are one of a kind and absolutely worth it. Thank you again for being here and I'll see you next time.